Welcome to the Compelling Words Podcast. The Word of God is meant to move us. It's meant to call us to action. Listen in as Kevin Purdy teaches and presents a genuine and compelling message from the Word of God. I'm sure that uh, most of you know what a postcard is. Postcards are created to, uh, to, uh, to mail something very quick and kind of off the, off the cuff a little bit. You know, they're created to be used quickly and inexpensively. It's an inexp- inexpensive note that you can send to family or to friends, letting them know that things are okay, you know, or that you're having a good time on your vacation. They don't, they don't need an envelope, and they, the postage is less. So there you are on your vacation, and you have a little picture of the beach that you've been soaking on, and you can send it back to family and friends. And maybe, I don't know, maybe it's boasting a little bit about the trip, or, or you're just letting them know that, you know, everything's okay, and I'm thinking of you. As I'm laying here on the beach and you're hard at work, I'm, I'm thinking of you. You know, one wealthy couple uh, was frustrated with their son. He had not done well his freshman year of college, and his grades were bad, and he wasn't proving to be all that responsible. And so his parents told him, you know, this summer you're going to have to work because you're going to have to pay a little bit more yourself for college because of the way you're doing things. And so that meant that he had to take a summer job, and he couldn't go on the summer vacation with the family. The family went to Greece that year and mom sent him a postcard it said dear son today we stood on the mountains where ancient spartan women sacrificed their defective children wish you were here (laughs) postcards don't have the same value today that they once did i'm going to ask a question how many people have sent a postcard in the last year okay a couple of you how about the last, well, let's say, last two or three years? Maybe one. See, the postcards, you just don't use them that much anymore. They're not as valuable as they once were, not with cell phones and texting and with emails. People don't send a postcard now of that nice warm beach that they're sitting on. They snap a picture with their phone and they post it on Facebook or they send it to their friends or family. You know, with a little quick text message saying, here I am, you're not, ha ha, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, they don't, they, but you can still find them. I mean, if you go on vacation somewhere, you'll still see postcards, and they still get purchased, but probably not necessarily as much to mail them as just kind of a souvenir now. When we were in New Zealand a couple of years ago, we went to the Hobbiton, where they filmed the, the Lord of the Rings movies and the Hobbit villages and, that they had. And I kept trying to get a picture, and I couldn't get a good picture that I liked. So we got to the gift shop, and there was a postcard. And I said, there's my picture, and I bought it. So, but it wasn't to mail it anywhere. It was just to have. The sermon series that I'm starting today is called Postcards. Because I'm going to be sharing a message from the books of the Bible that have only one chapter. They're just one chapter Bible books. So they're relatively in comparison to some of the other Bible writings. They're brief. 
you probably can't fit them on a postcard, but that's the point. You know, that they're just short, little one-chapter books. And today, we begin with Obadiah. So if you want to find Obadiah in your Bible, you either pull it up on your phone and just type in Obadiah, or you look at the table of contents and you find Obadiah, because it's not a very often read book of the Bible. But we're going to read, start by reading Obadiah verses 1 through 4. Here's what it says. The vision of Obadiah. This is what the sovereign Lord says about Edom. We've heard a message from the Lord. An envoy was sent to the nations to say, Rise and let us go against her for battle. See, I will make you small among the nations. You will be utterly despised. The pride of your heart has deceived you. You who live in the clefts of the rocks and make your home on the heights. You who say to yourself, Who can bring me down to the ground? Though you soar like the eagle and make your nest among the stars, from there I will bring you down declares the Lord. Now, we don't really know a lot about Obadiah. We know that he was an Israelite. He was a descendant of Jacob. We know that he was a prophet, and we know that God gave him a vision. And the vision that he was given was told in a prophecy that he then spoke and delivered to Edom. And that prophecy, then, is this writing. That's what's written and recorded as Scripture. And if we want to understand what it's worth, if we want to understand what it's worth, and if we want to gain insight and understanding from this Scripture, then first, we need to understand not just who Obadiah is, but who are the Edomites. Who are these people that that Obadiah is prophesying to? Who are the Edomites? You remember that the Israelites were God's chosen people. They were descendants of Abraham. Eric shared about this in the Sunday School Hour. He talked about the lineage of Abraham. The the Israelites were descendants of Abraham. Abraham and his wife Sarah gave birth to Isaac. Isaac and his wife Rebekah gave birth to Jacob and Esau. Through the descendants of Jacob, the Israelite nation continued. But the descendants of Esau became known as the Edomites. They were sometimes referred to as the brothers of Israel because they were. Jacob and Esau were brothers. But even though they shared this common ancestry, that was all they shared. Genesis tells us that Esau and his descendants, the Edomites, they settled in a region south of the Dead Sea, a place known as Hill Country. They dug themselves into the mountains, and they excavated in a city of caves. In Hebrew, it's called Selah. The Greeks, they called it Petra. And maybe you recognize this because it's been used in a lot of different movies for different scenes and different things. It was used in the Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade movie. This was where the Edomites settled. This is remains of of how they settled. And Obadiah, in this writing, in this prophecy, he refers to the Edomites as those living in the clefts of the rock. You can see they lived in the clefts of the rock, making their home in the heights. And he tells them that though you soar like eagles, you'll be brought down. That's that's the Edomites. That's the descendants of Esau, brothers 
to Jacob's descendants. History tells us there was a lot of conflict between these two brothers. One example you might remember is when the Israelites, when they were enslaved in Egypt and after they left slavery, after they were freed by Moses, you remember they were traveling into Canaan? The Edomite king refused to let them pass through their territory. And history records that both King Saul and King David both battled with Edom. And so in his prophecy, Obadiah is criticizing this nation. He's speaking from God against this group of people. And we read again in verses 10 through 15, it says, Because of the violence against your brother Jacob, you'll be covered with shame. You'll be destroyed forever. On the day you stood aloof while strangers carried off his wealth and foreigners entered his gates and cast lots for Jerusalem, you were like one of them. You should not look down on your brother in the day of his misfortune, nor rejoice over the people of Judah in the day of their destruction, nor boast so much in the day of their trouble. You should not march through the gates of my people in the day of their disaster, nor look down on them in the calamity in the day of their disaster, nor seize their wealth in the day of their disaster. You should not wait at the crossroads to cut down their fugitives, nor hand over their survivors in the days of their trouble. The day of the Lord is near for all nations. As you have done, it will be done to you. Your deeds will return upon your own head. Obadiah basically speaks four different accusations against Edom. As he's speaking to God for these as he's speaking for God to these people, he basically criticizes them for four different things. Edom took sides with those that were against God's people. Edom took pleasure and mocked God's people when they were attacked. Edom actually benefited and took spoils from the attack against Israel. And number four, Edom also killed some who were retreating and turned some of the survivors in. If you really want to summarize it, if you want to wrap it up, you could say it like this. Edom not only turned their back on their brother, they, they went even farther than that. They ignored Israel's needs and they actually stood and sided against them. And when Edom went against Israel, they knew that what they were actually doing was going against God. They knew it wasn't just another nation that they were turning their back on. It wasn't just another nation that they were siding against. They were going against God by doing this. And I hate to say this. I hate to say this, but I think we see the very same thing today. You see, the Israelites were God's chosen people. The lineage from which the Messiah would come. Jesus has come now. And he has brought salvation for all. For both the Jew and the Gentile. That means you no longer have to be Jewish to be saved. Even those that are non-Jews can be saved and can be the people of God. So therefore today, God's people are those who are in Christ. God's people are all Christians. God's people is the church. In Romans, Paul teaches that the lineage of God's people should have gone through Esau. Because Esau was the older brother. 
And that's who the lineage line should have gone through was Esau. He was the oldest son. But God chose for the blessing to go through Jacob. And Paul is making his point in that Roman letter. He's making his point that God is the one who determines who his people will be. Paul's making the point that God is the one who determines who his people will be. Salvation and belonging to the family of God is not a birthright. Salvation and being in the family of God is not based upon the nation you were born into. God's people are those that he chooses. Romans 9.15 says, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy. I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. And God chose for Jesus to come through the nation of Israel. And he chooses for salvation to come through Jesus to everyone and anyone who accepts Jesus as Lord and Savior. If you accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, and if you've submitted and surrendered to that, then you are in the people of God. You are in his family. Therefore, today, the sin that parallels the sin of the Edomites is when someone turns their back on God's people or they choose sides against God's people, God's people being Christians. God's people being the church. You see, the Bible teaches us that the church is his body. The church is his family. The church is his bride. So when the church is ignored, when the church is ridiculed, when the church is criticized, we need to be very, very cautious about that. Because God loves the church. It's very common today... You hear, this be, you hear things like this being said quite often. You hear people say things like, I believe in God, I worship God, I just don't like the church. I think I understand what the intent of that is, and I kind of get it. The church can be a mess sometimes. The church can make mistakes, and the church can get things wrong. Because the church is people, and people are not perfect. We're all sinners. The church is filled with people who've had their sins forgiven, but people who are still struggling to make right choices and do the right things. People who need grace and forgiveness over and over again. That's who the church is. The church is the family of God. The church is the bride of Christ. And the truth is, I've never seen a perfect family. I've never seen a perfect family, and no matter how beautiful she looks, I've never seen a perfect bride. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) It's the truth, though. We, we, We don't see a perfect family. We don't see a perfect bride. And the thing is, I don't know a perfect church either. I don't know a perfect church either. Because on this side of heaven, on this side of heaven... The church isn't quite picture perfect. But the scars and the flaws and the imperfections don't take away from the truth that God loves the church. So if you're going to pick on, put down, criticize, 
or insult the church, which is the bride of Christ, you better remember who's standing right along beside her. You better remember that putting down the bride probably doesn't go very well with the groom. Those in Christ are the church. They are the people of God. They're not always right. Sometimes the church needs to be corrected. Sometimes they need to make some changes to be better and to be more like Christ. But you cannot claim to love God, claim to follow Him, claim to be faithful, and then ignore, criticize, or reject His people, the church. The Apostle Paul in Romans 12 referred to the church as a body with many members. And in that context, he wrote these words in Romans 12, verse 9 through 13. He says, Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. That picture that is given through those words is a picture of commitment. Be devoted to one another. Stand with and stand up for each other. Edom did not stand with Israel. Edom mocked and ridiculed and went against God's people. Psalm 137 tells us that the Edomites celebrated when Jerusalem was attacked and overrun. Psalm 137, verse 7 says, Remember, O Lord, what the Edomites did on the day Jerusalem fell. Tear it down, they cried. Tear it down to its foundations. Edom is celebrating as Jerusalem, the capital of Israel, is under attack. Tear it down, they're crying out. Another historical writing that's outside of the Bible called Esdras tells us that when Judah was attacked, the Edomites burned down the temple. They did not stand with their brother. They did not stand with God. They stood opposed. So God spoke through Obadiah, and God said to them, you have taken the wrong side. Obadiah, verse 15 through 18. The day of the Lord is near for all nations. As you have done, it will be done to you. Your deeds will return upon your own head. Just as you drank on my holy hill, so all the nations will drink continually. They'll drink and drink and be as if they have never been. But on Mount Zion will be deliverance. It will be holy, and the house of Jacob will possess its inheritance. The house of Jacob will be a fire, and the house of Joseph a flame. The house of Esau will be stubble, and they will set it on fire and consume it. There will be no survivors from the house of Esau. The Lord has spoken. The contempt that the Edomites had shown against God's people would be turned around and delivered upon them. One commentator said it like this. One commentator said that Obadiah gives us a a declaration of pure poetic justice. This is poetic justice. But it doesn't show virtue being rewarded. What it shows is that which is wrong being punished. Because you have this wrong 
attitude against God's people, since you've stood opposed to God's people, that's now going to be turned back against you. That makes me a little bit nervous. Because stop and think what's happening here. Judgment in the form of destruction came upon a nation when they mistreated, when they went against and opposed God's people. Judgment or destruction upon a nation came when they opposed and went against the people of God. And I have to wonder, are we facing that in our nation today? Is our nation in opposition against God's people? Is our nation in opposition against Christianity? I, I mean, we have to look and say that, yeah, there, there are situations where that seems to be true. Christian values are often mocked and ridiculed. Sin is often promoted, encouraged, and even celebrated in our culture. Traditional, authentic Christianity has been villainized. And if that's true, then Obadiah's prophecy against Edom certainly could apply to us. Remember the phrases that he said? I will make you small among the nations. Verse 2. Though you soar like an eagle, I will bring you down. Verse 4. Oh, what disaster awaits you. Verse 5. Let me be real honest with you. That scares me and breaks my heart. Because I'm afraid of what is coming for our country. As our country drifts further and further away from God. And not only that, not just drifting further and further away from God, but actually standing in opposition and standing against the people of God. I'm afraid for my kids and I'm afraid for my grandkids that I don't even have yet. But it's not just a national concern. Because we need to look at this very personally. Because you and I, we have also been guilty of standing against God. Whenever we give in to sin, whenever we say, I'm going to do this even though I know it's not of God. I'm going to do this even though I know God would not approve of this. Whenever we stand against God like that, whenever we choose our way instead of his way, whenever we elevate ourselves and whenever we put other people down, when we put ourselves in a position like that, we are being contrary to the will of God. And we are standing against God. Ephesians 2, 1 through 8 says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest... We were by nature objects of wrath, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. And when we were dead in our transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. 
And God raises us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God. We, you and I, we personally, just like Edom, We deserve wrath. Because we, just like Edom, we have stood against God. But the gift of God was Jesus. And through grace, we who were dead, we were dead in our sins, dead in our transgressions, destined for eternal punishment, we have been made alive because of what Jesus did. We've been forgiven. And more than that, we've been given an eternal reward. We are saved by grace. We need it, and our nation needs it. It's the only way we can escape the punishment that we deserve. Finally, we need to keep this in a right perspective. God is not happy to punish He does not declare coming judgment with a celebration. God is not happy to punish. He does not send anyone to punishment. Condemnation does not come from God. It's the natural result of our sin. Listen to John 3, 16 to 21. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he's not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly what he has done has been done through God. Came across this story several years ago. A a Minnesota radio station reported a story about a stolen car in California. Police were staging this big, intense search trying to desperately find this car. They were actually sending out radio messages on all the radio stations trying to get in contact with the thief who stole this car. Because here's what had happened. The the thief didn't realize it, but the owner of the car had left a package of saltine crackers on the passenger seat. The saltine crackers had been laced with a rat poison. He was going to take them home to use them as rat poison for a problem he was having. They were trying to get desperately in contact with the person who stole this car, not because they desperately wanted to punish him. They wanted to save him. They wanted him to be safe. God doesn't announce his judgment, anxious to give punishment. God announces his judgment and declares his judgment to give us an opportunity to repent and to be saved. God chases us down, not so that he could punish us, but so he could offer himself and take the punishment for us. 
When we run from God, we think we're escaping punishment or trying to. The truth is we're actually eluding his rescue. Obadiah is a one-chapter book, a postcard from God. 21 verses giving this warning to Edom that because they stood against God's people and God himself, they were destined for punishment. Let his words remind us, as a nation opposed to God and as a sinner opposed to God, we are destined for punishment as well. Unless we repent and turn back to the Lord and let the grace of God cleanse us from our sin. Without Christ, we are destined for a judgment from God. If we are in Christ, we can keep standing in the promise of God. Jesus has paid our debt. The victory is won. Thanks for listening. Please take a moment to rate this podcast. May the word of God be living and active in your life.